Welcome to the Leadership on Demand podcast, presented by the Krauss Center for Leadership and Ethics at the Citadel, the Military College of South Carolina, located in historic downtown Charleston. I'm Colonel Tom Clark, Executive Director of the Krauss Center, and we are proud to share an inside look at the training, thinking, and experiences of principal leaders. Since 1842, the Citadel has produced principal leaders in all walks of life, and we look forward to sharing some of what makes the Citadel a strong and unique institution with you today. On this week's episode of Leadership on Demand, we will take a behind-the-scenes look at principal leadership training with special guest Mrs. Paige Tisdale. Paige is the former director of the Career Center at the Citadel, who is now in corporate engagement with the Foundation. Paige is going to discuss proactive career counseling, panicked senior syndrome, and how the Citadel approaches corporate fundraising. I'm today's host, Lieutenant Colonel Ted Feening from the Krauss Center for Leadership and Ethics at the Citadel. This podcast was sponsored in part by our friends at Spider Exchange Traded Funds. Thank you for joining today's Leadership on Demand podcast. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Leadership on Demand podcast. I am sitting here today with one of my all-time favorite people at the Citadel, Paige Tisdale. Uh, Paige was formerly, I think it was at least about 10 years, Director of Career Services at the Citadel and is now over at the Foundation. Paige, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. We are very happy to have you here. Um, tell us a little bit about, well, tell, you know, you have a very interesting story how you came to the Citadel. I think people would like to know that. And then walk us through, I mean, I know we can't uh, jam a decade worth of experience, uh, uh, but I know yeah. we've employed a lot of cadets under your watch. So tell us how you got here and then what's been going on. Okay, thank you. Well, uh, so my background was in corporate recruiting uh, prior to getting my master's at the Citadel in counseling. And I actually used to recruit at the Citadel. I recruited engineers. Uh, I worked for a company called Piggly with Carolina. Pig, all right. That's right, Pig. And so it was, at the time, the private, the largest privately owned company in South Carolina. So it brought me to the Citadel to recruit engineers. Loved it so much. Um, once I was involved in having to help that company downsize, I decided to find a new career myself. Came and got my master's when I completed the master's in counseling. Lo and behold, a position at the Career Center opened up, and that I never went back. Did you start as a director of the career center? No, no okay. I actually started as a coordinator role, moved into assistant director role, then was promoted to the director role. So I was there for about 11 years, director for a little bit about seven years okay. before moving into my new role. Well, you and I worked on a lot of fun projects yes, around here, but I, I, I don't want to go down too many of those rabbit holes. Okay. But uh, talk about some of the changes you've seen in the way and some of the things you implemented as director of, of career services and how, how we're helping cadets find the right employment for them. Uh, before we talk about what you're doing at the foundation. Okay, awesome. That well, So one of the things I noticed, and Brent Stewart, my predecessor, who I am still in touch with, um, when I came to the Citadel, we had a very um, reactive model of career counseling, which is very common for most colleges, even still to this day. Mm. And what I mean by that is we would host events, you would have a big career fair, and when, when you would be there, when students need you, they would seek you out, and there you were. But Ted, if you wait for students uh, to do career counseling or, you know, take that kind of action, when do you think they typically do it? About, I'd say fall or maybe even spring of their senior spring year of their senior when the panic year. sets in. Yeah, That's right. right. We call it uh, panic senior syndrome. Right. And so um, after about a year or two in the coordinator role, really it was Brent's vision where he said, we really need to develop a proactive model, go after it, Paige. And so at that time, we really sought to develop relationships on campus where career counseling was naturally already happening. 
to, to integrate it into the cadet experience. So I got Leaders 101 course where students develop a career plan, plans to see. That's for freshmen, for our knobs. Okay. All the knobs take that class. Uh, we, at this point, building that out would be great. Um, now, sophomore year, there's a communications class. Right now, it's required for about 70% of students at Column 216. Mm -hmm. So it's your uh, entry level, think of as an English uh, elective, or excuse me, English requirement. And we were able to work with faculty partners like Lauren Maxwell, Dr. Francis Wayne, Lindsay Spring, and we integrated uh, required resume, cover letter, elevator pitch, and attending a career event into that curriculum. So now it's not just the career center saying, hey, you need to do these things. It's, it's baked into the sauce. And it's not perfect. Students don't love it, always. But what happens is it plants that seed sophomore year of laying those foundational things that students really need to do to be prepared. And it is a starting point. And so what we know just from that is that the majority of the people who attend our career fair are juniors who were required to attend the sophomore year. And now they're a little more polished, right? They're, now they've gone back in. They've updated the resume. They've got their LinkedIn profile. They've kind of come up with a game plan. Um, the Commandant has also been, an, the Commandant's office has been an incredibly um, important part of our relationship. So we are part of the Commandant's leadership training program, now known as the Professional Leadership Skills. Skills. Uh, and we are able to have at least one touch point every semester uh, with each student, with each group of students. Junior year, we really try to focus on um, what's called behavioral-based interviewing. I won't go into that, I don't want to bore the listeners with it, but it is really a strategy for how you prepare for an interview using what's called the STAR technique. Mm -hmm. um, and then senior year, as you know, working with the Crowd Center over many years, uh, trying to identify corporate partners so uh, to host our students and the Career Center has worked as part of that for really about seven years. That's right. Um, and that's evolved, and, and hopefully we'll continue. To it's evolving that. still. I don't and know. If evolving, you, you've yeah. heard the rumor. I have. Juniors are are, are right. going out into the community oh, this year. Finally. That, that is so exciting. That's number one employer feedback was yeah. getting juniors out to the. Well, well, I think the Citadel oftentimes we're so introspective and we're inwardly focused about our leadership and what we're doing. I think our our approach at the Career Center and now the service learning really trying to get the students out to engage early, professionally, through service, through right. internships, so important. And it really helps them come up with a game plan and a backup plan. And so we've seen this approach really work mm -hmm. um, through our job placement numbers. And they've continued to increase, to increase, and to increase. Where, where are we now? What is the trend? So um, we are at graduation, so that's measured all the way up to May. Okay. Um, we are close to 80% okay. at graduation. Right. Within about two months of that number, so August 1st is when the institutional research does the official report. Sure. Uh, last year we were close to 88%. Okay. To give you an idea of where, how important and how good that number is, yeah. national averages and most colleges report job placement six months after graduation right. for a very good reason. I'll tell you why in a minute. But it's about 56%. That's national You're average. Kidding me. That's six months after a university or college experience. And we could go down a little bit of a rabbit hole, but I think it's because so many students um, don't have a good game plan. College students across the, you know, they don't really have access to what we have here, a very proactive strategy, hands-on, mm -hmm. where both faculty, staff, um, 
are really working to light the way we make it happen. I'm really proud of it. Well, this, I mean, this is exactly what this podcast is for, is to, is to give people a little peek behind the curtain yeah. at what training principal leaders is like. And what we're really talking about is it's, it's, it's employing them, but it's professional development, yeah. developing those skills of being able to, to look at someone who's not a fellow cadet yeah. in the eye and speak to them about their experience, translate that experience. I remember you talking a lot about that. Yeah. You, know. well, you have to be able to. I, I think one of our hardest groups still from a career perspective is junior year. That communication piece of the leadership experience, being able to communicate and articulate what is your civil experience, why is it important, what have you learned from it, to a potential mentor, employer, a professional connection. Our students are so wrapped up often in their own experience, they don't realize how unique it is. Right. It's just become such a part of their everyday world right. that, you know, the fact that you had to wake up, you had to PT, you had to get your room squared away, you had to go to morning formation all before your 8 o'clock class, right? right? right. You had to go to 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock class, 11 o'clock training, right? Then you've got your maybe a, a leadership meeting sometime at lunch. Then you've got your RTC in your labs. Then you may have a little time for activities in the afternoon, but there's a lot running into this right. little student experience. The 24-hour cadet schedule. The 24-hour cadet schedule. Can you imagine? I can't. Yeah. I couldn't have survived. No, 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 I, I, I certainly couldn't have. I'm still just enamored by it. Uh, but but when I sometimes when I hear students interview and they're not able to convey this experience that they've had to right. make it show how they're competitive, right. it, it's something that we're like, okay, we need to continue to work on helping them develop those star stories, right? What situations have they been in? What tasks and what what is the end result of those situations and how has it developed them? So it's interesting. You know, we talk a lot about reflection here at the Cross Center. What have you done and how do you reflect yeah. on it? But the idea that you're actually reflecting on the leadership laboratory in the barracks itself and being able to articulate it. And, and, and those cadets then can then tell the Citadel story, right. not just to be employed themselves, yeah. but to fellow employees and to their communities and right. they travel out across the world. It's a huge service uh, to, the, to the school. So uh, let's transition. 11 years of career services. And, uh, you know, I, I can remember talking to you. I thought, oh, boy, I hope Paige doesn't leave the Citadel because I really <laughs> like where I love it too much. I know. I love it, too. It, it, kinda, it really does grow on you. You know, it gets under the skin a bit, doesn't it? Um, but uh, you have transitioned over to yes. the Senior Director of Corporate and Foundation Relations yes, at the Citadel Foundation. Fortunately, you're wearing a name tag that says that. Uh, I don't know I could have spit it out otherwise. Yeah. yeah, what does that mean? What does that mean? That is a great question. So I'm a whole month into the role. Um, and luckily, because of the awesome relationships that I've built with uh, corporations, companies, big and small, at my time at the Career Center, I guess I was able to convince uh, the foundation, the, the supportive administration, that we really have the opportunity to help our fundraising capacity from a corporate standpoint. Right. And what I mean by that is large universities typically have a team of people like me who are working on everything from scholarship, building, um, fundraising, partnerships. Um, and Citadel, our size college doesn't really have that in place. And so it's a first for us. And my goal is to really help us develop a strategy for how companies can give back to the Citadel mm -hmm. uh, in a way to support students, to support student scholarships, to support facilities, to support special programming. And, yeah, so I haven't quite figured out exactly are we, how Are we competing it. with, like, you know, I guess what I, my question is, are corporations in South Carolina and in the region accustomed to this kind of giving? Or is it is it education over them, or are we already competing with the Clemsons and Carolinas and, and that sort of thing? So, yes, they are accustomed to it. Okay. Yes, we are competing. Yes. Uh, so, yes to both of those. Okay. But we haven't had a person at the table. 
Right. And so whereas a lot large college colleges who are in research are one schools who are doing research, they really have a model for corporate giving. Mm-hmm. Um, schools our size who are not research institutions where a university is reaching out to say, develop this technology for us. Here's a little R and D. You get some of the technology, we keep some of the technology and there's a financial incentive between right, the two. Right. Um, so doesn't really have that. And most colleges our size don't either. And sure. so um, but I believe that we can be competitive in this space. Right. Already, already in just a few short weeks, I've had some great uh, conversations with our contacts um, at Boeing, at BMW, who are really excited about it Good. and didn't want to know more. So they're willing to step in and help us figure out the model as well. That is super exciting. I mean, I know that this foundation is separate from the Citadel, but it's right next door. Yeah. I mean, you're almost as yes. close as you were before yeah. from where well, I sit. But. Exactly. So think of the foundation as the relationship building size. Yeah. And lots of times our alumni are like, oh, there comes the foundation. You know, they're yeah. trying to reach into your pockets. And to some extent, we are, you know, whereas 8% state funding, right, and right. student tuition, all of the other funds to keep the college going are going to be coming a lot right. of programs with foundations. Sure. So. Well, people, people, you know, a lot of alumni that listen to yeah. this podcast know their history. Yeah. And we lost a lot of state funding yeah. over the last 30 That's years. Right. It's so um, small now. And it's so small now. But parents and prospective students might not know that. What an yeah. important part. And anyway, we have such an active alumni uh, yeah. giving network. And now you're here to help us with uh, corporate. What, what, where do you see, I mean, for me, we're not a research institution, like you said. We have, we have something very unique in our students at the, the production of the type of student we produce is, what is the hook for these um, for these corporations to give to the Citadel? Well, so I think you've mentioned, do they already know? Right. So large you know, large corporations already have a giving model and are already giving. So you might be surprised to find out that the companies who've already given for scholarship funding, it's a, um, a tax incentive, obviously. Um, but for us, in my opinion, it's that relationship piece. Mm-hmm. So if you're a large organization or small and you recruit at the Citadel, part of developing the relationship further is to give back to the college university to support these programs right. so that your name is known, so that faculty know you, sure. so that students know you. Um, so it helps create that pipeline. That sounds uh, that sounds right on the money. Yeah. So what uh, what is the sort of the dream result for your job? Is it, you know, you, you, what are the what are the goals or metrics you've set? I'm putting yeah. you on the spot a little bit. I know oh, you're new gosh. at this. Yeah. So I'm still working on sure. it right now since the role is new. I don't really have solid metrics. Yeah. But just like almost like a sales role, any sales role, you've got to make a certain number of contacts. Right. You're gonna have doors shut in your face. Sure. So I'm already finding that out. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I'm pretty persistent, so Good. I won't let that uh, slow me slow me down. But I've got you know. Uh, don't really have a, a exact financial goal set, but yeah. for me, each week I'm having a number of contacts. I see. A contact goal. So just like almost a sales pipeline. Right, right. So you have your sales force pipeline where you're looking at number of contacts. And so, for example, I was in um, San Antonio last week and probably met 20 different contacts. Yeah. And my goal this week is to follow up with those 20 contacts to find out how can I get 10 of those. Now that, that is actually, you know, just the fact that we've got that sort of span, that reach around yeah. Texas and yeah. San Antonio. Oh, you don't think of the Citadel like reaching well, that far, but. And you know what? If I can give kudos to an amazing alumni, Chris Cook. Oh, sure. Was, he coordinated that visit. Uh, we met with uh, UTSA University, mm-hmm. uh, San Antonio, um, Texas. Uh, we saw their, um, it was just an amazing visit. We visited the Army 5th and 4th 16th. 
And my goal in making that visit was to find out how much large university it does work with you. Sure. Where they do it in a fantastic way. Yeah. And um, General Guy Walsh, the head of the UTSA program, was already eager to give advice on how we could create a, um, you know, maybe a smaller version of the program. Sure, that's that's, that's really cool. And, and universities are very collaborative places. So you mentioned even just within our state, right? Clemson and Carolina, they have a lot of that name recognition for the research piece at, at USC. But uh, tomorrow, I'm meeting a colleague from Clemson who works in the states. Very, very willing to share ideas, to collaborate, and to work hmm. uh, within the college and university system. To That's great. I mean, we do. We obviously have something very different here at the Citadel. It's one of the reasons we have this podcast. It's one of the reasons we have the Kraus Center. Uh, we're trying to articulate and, and let folks know outside of our gated walls uh, what's going on inside that. And you've done an excellent job of that through career services. Uh, the last question I'll ask you is, is one I, I sometimes ask up front, sometimes ask at the end, is what, in your estimation, having been here for over a decade, <laughs> what prevents us from being as great an institution? What are some of the obstacles that we might be able to chip away at or remove that would really allow us to uh, to be the shining star that uh, we, I think we are and can be even more. Yeah, so I, I think um, one of our challenges is we're, we're very, um, with even just physically how we're set up, where we're set up, the military walls, the military model, uh, even though I am not part of the military, I'm staff, I do not have a military background, it becomes part of your operational, um, just how you operate. And I think we're often very inward focused, inwardly focused, right? Just getting to the next task, getting to the next week, getting through this semester. Uh, and so I think trying to think bigger of what is the impact we can have, not just, I mentioned I was in San Antonio, there are so many opportunities here in Charleston. You know, we have a thriving tech sector. That's right. We've got, um, you know, we've got 400 tech startup companies in this space. And often the Citadel isn't seen as a leader in this. And right here we've got one of the strongest cyber programs in the state. You know, we're DHS designated school, we've got all these accolades, and sometimes that communication does not make it out of our four walls. Right, even out of the department. Yeah, that's right. right. That's right. And um, also because the, the people running the department are spread thin, or you sure. know, they're having to complete their tasks. So um, I, I think telling the story, like you're doing here through the podcast, getting yeah. the word out about how special and unique we are, um, also giving our students the opportunity. Sometimes within their time constraints, just getting off of campus into right. the community. Like you, you had a very important part in that service piece. Is that when we can see and be seen, people immediately realize the value of right. the Citadel and who we are. Um, helping our students articulate that story to be able to communicate it. Uh, as soon as our students are hired, I, I was literally just before this podcast. I was on the phone with an alumni with a local, very large. Uh, international firm here in Charleston that happens to have its headquarters here. And it's been frustrating to me that I've not been able to get us on their recruiting radar. And it's because they're recruiting at really, really large schools. They're recruiting at Duke and UNC. And here we are right here, you know, a few blocks down the street. We just had three really amazing students hired. Oh, good. That, that's how we have the We call that a beachhead in the Marine Corps. That's right. <laughs> Off you go. Oh, we go. Let's go. Let's break down the door. Break, you know, so, yeah, so we're like doing the kind of the ramrod effect. Yeah. And it's usually where those, that's where the relationship is built. Sure. 
And then someone picks up the phone and says, how do we get more? Sure. How do we do more? So, so it's so important that we not only have a quality product, but that product knows how to articulate their experience. Yes. I think that's uh, that's probably the biggest uh, behind-the-scenes idea we can take from this podcast today. So, Paige, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for what you've done for the Citadel. Uh, I'm grateful to know you, and I'm glad you're still here. I appreciate being asked on the podcast. I'm looking forward to uh, helping you find some more people to, to get on. Sounds good to me. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Leadership on Demand podcast.